0: Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit SolidRockChurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day.
1: I ain't in no hurry. I ain't in no hurry. I ain't in no hurry. Uh-uh. I ain't in no hurry. Are y'all okay? Y'all okay? Everybody Good. Can somebody get these singers of water? I'm serious. They want to, you want mine? Here, here's a brand new one. Although I'm sure you've had my saliva before. Sorry. If you're watching online, that's my wife. We know each other. So, so I'm probably going to preach in a few minutes, but have y'all noticed the extra ring today? Has anybody noticed the bling bling? Okay. This, you know, this, I felt like I was going to be one of them preachers going to tell the camera to zoom in. Give me that camera. Give me that camera. You watching online? No. This ring stays on my keychain. I've had this ring I don't know how many years. When did you give me this? You remember? Was it before we got in this building? So I think you gave it to me in 2012. 2012, someone had this ring made for me. Customized. Forged in the fire. What is this made of? Silver? Are you serious? All this time, I didn't know it was silver. Oh My God. It's worth some money. Hallelujah. It's worth more than money. This thing's made out of silver. So you can't see it. But on the top of it, it says 50-50. Mm-hmm. Long before we ever moved in this building, we started preaching about something called the 50-50 vision. How many members that shout amen? When we was in the rock school. We declared the 50-50 vision was where God going to take this church and he was going to use it in a way to reach Birmingham in this metro area in our state in our nation all the things we prayed about all the things we fasted for the seeds that we had sown we would see it come to pass in our fifth building and the address just happens to be here at this building 5050 Penson Valley Parkway also the year that we moved in this building and dedicated this building, was the 50th anniversary of the Civil Rights Movement in Birmingham. All over Birmingham, there was plaques and giant banners that had the number 50 all over Birmingham remembering 50 years from the th- things that had happened, the horrible things that had happened when they released the dogs and all the horrible things that happened against the African-American population of this great city of Birmingham. So you know what we did? went down there. We served people downtown. And we went around and we laid our hands on all those markers of 50. And we declared, God, we know we're not in the city limits of Birmingham. But on the 50th anniversary... We are moving in a building called 50-50. We declare and we speak that somehow, God, you're going to use this church to be a melting pot, if I can use that word, of every color and every race and every financial background and every education level to come in and fulfill the dream of Dr. King. And then on the, and then the outskirts of Birmingham, we use this word that God would use this church to influence this region. So CJ made this for me. He gave it to me. Not long after that, I lost weight, praise the Lord. I gained some of it back. It used to fit my, this finger really good. But it don't fit that finger anymore. So I had to put it on the, the hey, I'm number one finger. Hallelujah for some people. And it barely fits on that one. But it's right next to the ring. And I say this. I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about this house. I'm talking about this moment. One of the most humbling things that ever happened to me. Right here in this building of 50-50. Is when Ambassadors Network. And pastors that, that had asked me to be their pastor. Came to the network. And said. We We want to submit ourselves to Pastor Larry, and we want, as a network, to lay hands upon him and bring Pastor Frankie in and ordain him in the office of bishop, which is in the Word of God, which bishop simply means overseer. It doesn't mean highfalutin, big-time, bigger-than-anybody-else preacher. It just means a preacher. Y'all can be seated for a minute because I'm going to speak some things over this house right now. Y'all just sit down on the stage. Y'all ahead of me. Sit down on the stage. Hang on for a minute because I don't know what's about to happen. Bishop means overseer. Bishop simply means someone who speaks into the lives of other pastors. So that was one of the most humbling experiences that I've ever had. My whole family was here, including my children. And Pastor Frankie spoke some things over my life, my pastor, my spiritual father. And, and <clears throat> much to my surprise, in the, in, in, when you study Old Testament and you study uh, Eastern Uh, culture, you'll realize that many times when things happen like that, that was signified, especially when it was to a man, when a man laying hands on another man, ordaining him into an office, especially in in what they would call royalty in that area, they would would mark that by sliding a ring on his finger. It was also a sign of sonship. It was also a sign of the house. If you remember, uh, when the prodigal son came back, You remember that story when he came back and the father ran to him and met him and kissed him? He said, kill the fatted calf for my son was dead and he's alive again. What did he do? He put new shoes on his feet. He put a robe on his back and he put a ring on his finger. Because when the prodigal left the house, he had to leave all that behind to be able to cut ties. He had to take the authority of that house off. He had to take the shoes that were always kept clean to only be worn in the house of the father. And he had to take the ring off that had the signa of, of his father because he was saying, I want my inheritance and I'm disowning everything in this house. I'll never be back. But thank God the father kept all those things waiting for the day that his son would come back. So that being said, that has nothing to do with the big picture what I'm saying. But I remember that night so, so vividly because I was sitting there just sobbing uncontrollably. My back was to you. My face was towards Pastor Frankie. And I began to realize, I, to as much as I could, the magnitude of what was happening. Because I began to question, I'm not ready for this. Because I, I have to honor this. I cannot... Just have my pastor speak this over me in a network desire for this to happen and not walk in that office I knew what it was going to mean for his time I knew what it was going to mean for his commitment and I remember sitting here thinking I don't know if I can commit to this because I know what this office means and my pastor had a ring on his finger and he took it off he looked at me and he said it is time son I know you don't think you're qualified but God said it is time he said to remember this moment and to always remember what God has spoken into your life for this season of your life he slid that ring on my finger and he said you won't wear it all the time you'll keep it with you and and you'll wear it when you need to remind yourself not other people yourself. That that God has called you to be a voice in this moment. But I'm gonna tell you what else he told me privately. That every office that God ever ordains a man or a woman to walk in, it is never for them. It is always for the anointing to serve, lead, and equip others. Amen. So so when he slid that on me, they laid my hands on People start freaking out. Some of the folks in here, what do I call you, Pastor? What do I call you, Bishop? What do I, I don't care about none of that. I do, I do think you should honor the office that's over you. But let me just tell you today who I am in this house. You, it is op- it 100% appropriate. If you, some of you call me Bishop, that's fine. I receive that. Because I know your heart. Your heart is you want to honor the office that your pastor is flowing in. But in this house, I am your pastor. Okay, God has called me to pastor you. Okay, that's what this ring represents. So I keep this ring on my church keys. You're not going to think I'm crazy. Me and my wife have so many keys. Now, nobody has as many keys as her. But everywhere I go, I have two sets of keys, one in this pocket and one in this pocket. These are all my personal keys. When I'm not wearing this ring, this ring goes on my personal keys. When I'm not wearing this ring, this ring goes on my church keys. Because every time I pull my church keys out, I stick my hand in my pocket. I don't know why I'm telling y'all, this is this okay with y'all. I stick my hand in my pocket and I got all those keys. I find with subconscious, I don't even realize what I'm doing. I find this ring that's on my keychain. I stick my finger through the ring and I pull the keys out every single time. So every single time I pull my keys out, I'm reminded of what God has called me to do in this house. So today, I told y'all that I had the first, the entire series, this whole series, this part five of this series. I already had it laid out which series I was going to go back and preach on that day. Well, I already knew I was going to end this series, or at least I think I'm ending this series today, on the series that we did called Influence. You remember that? Not knowing whatsoever. already had everything planned and pr- And all of a sudden I see CJ that gave me this ring, tags me on a post that came up in his memories from 28, I think it was 2016 or whatever year it was. It wasn't the year he gave it to me in 2012, but it came back in his memories again that this was the anniversary of the day that I preached influence the first time in 2018 exactly on this day. In 2018, and on that day, he posted a picture of me wearing this ring, reminding us that God has called us to be an influence. Had no idea that it was exactly on this day wearing this ring. The last time I talked about this ring is when I told you in 2018, get ready because God, I don't know what this means and on what level, God is getting this house ready to be an influence in the future, in a way that we can't grasp. And here we are. Here we are. Just like what God, not Pastor Larry, just like what God said. You have been called for this moment. Oh, you've heard it said thousands of times, but you need to get this. Maybe you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this would y'all freak out if, if I preach with y'all sitting there hmm. because at any at any moment go ahead and bring it out I'm going to preach and y'all going to have to handle it okay? because at any moment we might kick back in if y'all need to go to the bathroom y'all can go but okay But I I got to obey God. I got to obey God today. Come on, come on, come on. This is an unusual day. I got to obey God. Thank you, sir. By the way, let me just say this: all stuff that we do now, moving to the back of the service. Blah blah blah. Two weeks from tonight. Two weeks from tonight is miracle service. Two weeks from tonight. I'm tired of waiting on somebody to tell me I can baptize people again. So two weeks from tonight, if you want to be baptized, we're going to have a baptism in this place two weeks from tonight. So if you need to be baptized, you want to be baptized, you need to go stop by the desk as you leave. you got family members that say when the next time you're going to have baptism, you need to tell them, first Sunday, March 7th, we're going to baptize people. You want me to baptize you in a mask, wear your mask. But it would be a little silly because when it comes back up, it's going to be soaking wet. But whatever. Let's go ahead. That would be actually a pretty cool picture. Just go ahead and wear your mask. Let's do it. 42 days from today. Exactly six weeks from today. It's insane to even say what I'm about to say. Is Easter Sunday. Six weeks from today is Easter. So, I'm going to go ahead and say this and declare it and speak it out. I don't care what's on the news. I don't care what anybody's telling you at your job or what you even think about yourself. Easter is not getting canceled this year. No, 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 no. Children gonna do their presentations. We gonna dance, we gonna shout, we gonna wave banners. And in case you want, we don't know what it's going to be yet. We're still working it out. But the day before Easter, we're going to have a community outreach of some sort. Probably ain't going to be no Easter egg hunt this year don't know where it's going to be whether it's going to be here or at Bicentennial Park or somewhere but Pinson is going to see us out in the streets and we're going to be inviting people to Easter Sunday we're going to love people we're going to have face paint and I don't know what we're going to do we're going to have some fun and we're going to let the people know Easter is on baby Jesus is alive Resurrection Sunday is on in this house You okay back there? You don't have to sit right behind me. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even want to talk about your view that you have right now, but. Oh, thank you. He said it was wonderful. I appreciate it. He's talking about my shirt, y'all. Six weeks from today. That's crazy. See, there is a phenomenon happening right now all over this world. It's happening on social media. You have people who are literally getting paid and their job is the title Instagram influencer. Now those that are not on Instagram, you don't, I'm talking about people are getting paid millions of dollars. Some of the the biggest ones are made, making millions. Of Many of them are making six figures, some five figures, on doing nothing but getting on a video that, by the way, lasts about two minutes. That took them six hours to perfect, removing every blemish. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Trying a hundred filters, making sure the light is so perfect. And that it looks like they said it in one take, but they had to stop and start and stop and start. So that when it's all over with, their job is to fool the world into thinking that they need to pay this person so that they could somehow have a life just a little bit like them, that their life could be as perfect as that influencer. But here's the problem with those people on social media. Not all. But most are frauds. And what has happened, they have become exactly what they call themselves to be. They are influencers, and they have influenced a culture and a generation to become completely inwardly focused. Trying to achieve a level of perfection that they now think is possible with the right filter. And as long as you think they're okay, then they convince themselves they're okay. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shout. I'm telling you right now, Hollywood, media, the news organizations, politicians, they've all bought in to their role in your life. And that is to not just influence you in culture, but to influence you in thought, in practice. How you see the world, how you see your spouse, how you see your children, how you see yourself, how you see money, how you see your nation, how you see your world, how you see the local church. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Dr. John Maxwell said that, and it changed this church forever. I read a book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership when we were in the Little White Building in 1996 in Trafford, Alabama. The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I think every believer and certainly anybody that has any desire to be used by God should read that book. Because one of the things that he says in that is leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. He said, let me tell you something. Some of you think you're a leader. Look behind you. Is anybody following you? If nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. Just because you call yourself a leader, it doesn't mean you're a leader. Here's how you know if you're a leader, you have people that you influence. This church is a leader. You are a leader. Now, I'm I'm not going to preach my full sermon today because I understand this is a different service. I think we might just worship at the end and just open these altars. But I'm going to say something that you may have never heard anybody say anything like this but you need to hold on and don't get up and leave and walk out and ju- or judge me let me finish i believe jesus was and is god he has always existed the word father son and the holy spirit jesus became a man The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, but He did not become who He was at that point. I believe emphatically Jesus is eternal. He's always been there. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the one that was and is and is to come. If you believe that, say amen. But Jesus was not a born leader. He was a leader, but He was not a born leader. In fact, Jesus had very little influence on the world in which he lived for the most part of his entire walk on earth. For 30 years, the only people that even knew Jesus existed were a handful of people in his family in on his little corner of Nazareth and the people that he would talk to in the priest in the temple. He was known as a carpenter's boy. He was known as a nobody. Because remember when he began to speak? Listen what the word of God says in Mark chapter 6 when he began his ministry. Mark chapter 6 verse 3. Listen to the response of the people of which he had lived 30 years of his life with. Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon are, are and are not his sisters even with, uh, with us. So they were offended at him when he was speaking with authority. But Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and in his own house. Now, he could not do mighty works there, except he lay hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the village in a circuit, teaching. The Bible says he, go, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But he was sitting at that wedding in the Cane of Galilee. Do you read anything about the people there thinking that royalty was at that wedding? In fact, the most important person at that table to the eyes of the people was Mary. He was a nobody in their eyes. But we understand Jesus has never been a nobody. So leadership is based on influence. Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and prepared a life of, and lived a life of integrity, and prepared his life for the moment that he would come on the scene. And at age 30, three and a half years, of which we only have a few instances even in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, only a few stories of his life that we have to go by. And in those three and a half years of the existence of a man here on this earth who God became flesh in, you want to talk about influence? Thousands of years later, people are still talking about the things he said during those three and a half years. People are still teaching, preaching, dissecting, choosing to believe, having a life set out to disprove everything he said because they don't believe that he was who he is. But let me tell you something, how you know that Jesus is the greatest leader that ever existed in the history of mankind because leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. This is a man who was, when he began his ministry, they said, who are you? Are you not Jesus of Nazareth? Has any good thing ever come out of Nazareth? No one of any influence, no one of any importance has ever come out of that slum. And you're going to try to tell us you are not educated at the highest level. Your name does not match the last name of Caiaphas. You are not of the lineage of Levi according to what we think. You're You're not in the Levitical priesthood. You have no right to speak with that authority. By which authority did you lay your hands upon a blind man and see that blind man's eyes open? To which authority are you able to look at somebody and say, take up your bed and walk. Go and sin no more. Who do you think you are? He didn't have influence with the religious leaders, but you know who he had influence with? Everyone that the religious leaders had put down and told to shut up and told that they didn't matter. Jesus didn't have a problem with the sinners. The sinners loved Jesus. It was the church people that couldn't stand him because they were threatened with his influence. The reason they're trying to shut us down reason they're trying to tell the church you can preach this but you can't preach that because if you preach that I'm going to flip the switch and turn you off is because they know if we're ever able to get the truth out they know if we're ever able to tell the world Because they are programmed every day like mind-numb robots through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, news, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Twitter, Twitter, whatever you call it. They take their marching orders every day. Jesus proved... I know He was God. I know He's God. But don't get caught up in in letting that deflate the power of what he did in those three and a half years because I've told you once I've told you a hundred times he was all God but everything that Jesus did during those 33 and a half years that he walked this earth lived a sinless life and died on the cross and up until the point of death when he said it is finished everything that happened from the virgin birth which was a miracle to the words it is finished everything in the middle he did every single one of those as a man anointed by his own spirit not as God who happened to be man but a man who happened to be God because if he did them as God who happened to be man we there's two sure things in life one there is a God and two you're not him you're never going to be him you can't evolve into him so therefore you would never be able to do the things that God said we could do three and a half years what's this we know he didn't do miracles, In, in or at least we, I say we know. We have no evidence in the canonized 66 books of the Bible. There's a few books that talk about Jesus turned a piece of paper into a bird or something and made it fall off, and somebody fell off a roof, and he went down there when he was a teenager and healed him. Here's the reality. I don't know if any of that's true or not, but it's not in my Bible. Okay, it's not in my Bible. So I'm going to go what my Bible says. But here's why I don't believe that's true. Because if you were a kid, and especially if you were a half-brother, and Jesus was your half-brother, he had a lot of family. We, we know that. And they were all half-brothers, right? Meaning, meaning they, he come out of his mama. They all come out of his mama, but the rest of them come from, from Joseph. He didn't come from Joseph. Now watch this. If you, were a, you grew up with Jesus as your brother, And you saw him do miracles. How many knows you would not have no problem believing that he was who he was when he began his ministry. But his own brother, the Bible says James, his own brother for his entire ministry did not follow his brother as Messiah. It took the resurrection of his own brother for his own brother to convert and believe that his brother was who he said he was. So that tells me that Jesus just lived a solid life, faithful to his own word, until his time came, and the resurrection changed everything, including his own brother. But I want to tell you something. I've told you this before. You need to some of these things. Some things are better worth saying again. We all know the greatest thing that Jesus ever did. That was his sinless life, dying on the cross for our sins, giving us access to forgiveness, coming back from the dead. That's the greatest thing that any, anyone could ever do for humanity. But the second greatest thing that he ever did, you need to understand just as much as the greatest thing he ever did. The second greatest thing he ever did was influence and be a leader and pour into 12 men and tell them things like, these things you saw me do today. today, you're going to do them too. And greater shall you do if I go to my Father. Oh, I know what I said in parables. They, they're not at the place where you're at. They've not, they don't walk with me and spend time with me and, and camp out with me and sit around the campfire with me so they don't have that intimate relationship with me yet. They will. I know how I taught this in a parable form, but it's important for me for you to understand a deeper understanding of this parable. I know I said that, but this is what I meant. I know I talked about a farmer sowing seed, but let me tell you what the seed is. I know I, know I read about, you know, the birds come in and pick, and pick the seed. Let me tell you who the enemy is. The enemy is the devil. And he began to break and he begin to pour and begin to influence because the greatest leaders realize their greatest influence will never come in their life. Their greatest influence will come in the legacy that they leave behind. That's how things are multiplied. One can chase a thousand. Two can chase ten thousand. Where two or three agree. That's why God wants to use this church on a level that's beyond how many people is in this room. Because when, when we all get on the same page. When we're all flowing together. When we are one voice. When we are one body. When we are one mind. We don't have to wait till we have a thousand people in here to change a city. We don't have to wait. Because God's God has already gave us the one thing we have to have. And that is influence. You okay? You okay? See, let me tell you something about Jesus. and blow your mind. How many of those Jesus changed the world? Literally changed the world. Stopped. His birth stopped time. People started counting over again when he was born. Hmm? These people don't believe in God. And atheists... I don't believe in God. He never existed. That man, Jesus, is a fairy tale. Never existed. Just look at him and say, what year is it? Boy, what does that matters 2021. Oh, 2021. Why is it called 2021? Oh, I see what you did there. Yep. Every time you sign a contract, every time you sign a check, every time you sign anything and got a date, it dated, you acknowledge the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He split time right down the middle. He never traveled even 200 miles from his home. He never owned a house that we know of. He didn't go to Bible college or any kind of college. He was not educated by the world's best. Yet his life would change the course of history simply because of his influence. Now, Let me ask you a question before I close. will not you be real with me. There's no right or wrong answer. And this is not so that I'll know how you feel about you. It's time for you to be honest about how you feel about you. And if your answer is not yes, if your answer is not, that's me, then then you need to be honest with yourself and don't beat yourself up, but uh, prepare yourself to be teachable for the next five to ten minutes of what I'm going to say after this. But here's the question. And by the way, don't beat yourself up if you can't raise your hand and don't feel ashamed And feel like you think you're full of yourself if you do raise your hand. But the the thing is, it's time today, I'm talking to you as your pastor, to be honest with yourself. How many in this place, up here and out here, and even if you're watching online, this is for you. I don't care how silly you think you're going to look. Being in a room by yourself or in the room with a handful of people. How many in this room consider yourself a leader in your life? Raise your hand. All right, put your hands down. Now, what I wanted to show you is this, not to beat anyone up. I want to show you this is one of the greatest churches you could ever go to. Okay, would you agree with that? I mean, I love my church. Do you love your church? If this is all you've ever known, you don't even know how blessed you are. You don't even understand this up on this stage. You have no clue of appreciation of this. This is insane talent. This is crazy Holy Ghost gifts up here and anointing that you don't get. Most. Come on, show some love. Show some love. I mean, this is hard work, this is dedication from your children's ministry. I don't want to go on on that, but I'm telling you right now, this is an amazing church. There are leaders, there are men and women of God in this house who genuinely love you and your family. Who pray for you, who want to mentor you and be there for you? But I dare say, and Sandy problem, did you see the hands go up? Did you look out there at all? I would you kept correct me from, I dare say in this amazing church, 80 percent did not raise their hand. What do you think? Okay? 665, 70 percent. Yeah. So, so listen, if that's the case here, what do you think most believers who don't even get anointed preaching and teaching and the power of God empowering and equipping them think about themselves? Are y'all hearing me? That is what is happened. We have lost our identity in Christ. We have forgotten just how powerful God says we are in him. We have forgotten little things that have become cliches to us. We hear them, but we don't hear them. Huh? How many of those Jesus, say, if you've got an ear to hear, you need to hear? You shouldn't need to tell somebody that they've, if they've got an ear, that they need to hear because it's not, not something you think about. If your ears are working at all, they just hear. But he says, if you've got an ear to hear, hear. He says because you're hearing something but you are not letting it be written on the tablets of the flesh of your heart. You're not letting a groove be cut in your brain. Hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, I know people's prayed before, for you before. I know people's anointed you before. But this one's different. Dry bones. This ain't some... This ain't some Sunday-go meeting church member that's been raised in church. I am a man of God. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. In his name, I'll cast out devils. I'll lay hands upon the sick and they'll recover. You're not messing with average Sunday-go meeting Christian. You're, you're you're messing with somebody that's Holy Ghost filled, who knows who they are in God. And I'm gonna say it again, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Live! And when somebody knows who they are in God and they speak to dry bones, those dry bones has to obey. It's not that the devil is getting meaner. He don't hate you more. He don't hate people more. He's not getting meaner. He's not getting stronger. The church is getting weaker. My God, I was raised in the church when people would start to speak in tongues. I, I was 10, 9, 10 years old, didn't know nothing about God, cutting up, laughing with my friends in the back, passing notes. Play, I'm telling when the Holy Ghost began to speak, there was an all that came in that place. We even as kids knew, stop it, don't say nothing to me. You got quiet because you honored the presence of God. You knew that God had just stepped in that building. Stop.
2: You knew you were in a place where Jehovah God had just stuck his head in.
1: There was a respect for the presence of God. We've lost him. We've lost our wonder. We've, woo, we've lost our wonder where we are amazed at God. We've had miracle services in this place where deaf ears have unstopped, where people who couldn't see clearly in one eye couldn't see clearly. We've had people who was told that's got to deal with sciatic pain in their leg for the rest of their life healed and stand here on this stage and get a golf clap. Praise the Lord. That was awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My God, I remember a time that if somebody said I was deaf in one ear and I can't hear anymore, we shouted for 30 minutes. People ran around the building because we knew God had just done something. But we've become too used to it. We've become lazy. Ooh, I'm almost through. Y'all, y'all, if y'all only knew some of the stuff was in this notes that I skipped over. And some of y'all ain't ready to hear it. Here's a heart test for you. Here's a heart test for where you are in God right now. It's not to beat you up, but it's to help you. Here's a heart test. Do you come to Solid Rock Church expecting to be served, or do you come here expecting to serve? Let me tell you something. I'm not asking for a show of hands on that because I don't want to beat nobody up. Because here's the reality. 90% of the people that are sitting in this room right now, whether you serve or not, you've either lost the love and the wonder of the awesomeness to serve, and you're doing it because it's just something you do, or you come to this church, you love this church, you love the music, you love the people, you love your pastor, you absorb like a sponge, and then you go back out in the world, you don't do anything to give back to God and to other people that are coming in this house. People have asked me for years, do you still love me? Okay, they didn't ask me that. I'm asking you that. Do you still love me? Okay. So people ask asked me for years. How does a church, I mean this, uh, first starts with me, preaching to me first, but I told you I need to say some things to you. I'm telling you, in 21, we're going to deal with some things in this house. In, in, in our region, we're going to, we're going to, you're going to see some things, you're going to see this church do things that we, we only dreamed they would do, because we're going to get it. People have asked me for years. I'm talking about starting all the way back in the hay barn. They'd come and they'd see our services. They'd hear my preaching. They'd hear the depths and the deep things and the revelations of God. And they would say things like this: "How's this church not running a thousand people? How how, how is there not church plants out of this church? How how in the world are you not on TBN? How in the world is this church not exploding?" Now people say, how in the world do you have a praise team like that? Lights and sound and the preaching and the anointing and and the love and the children's mission. How is not this place packed to capacity? Let me be real with you and honest with you. I've asked that question too. Many times. So, do you want to know the answer? Do you want to know the answer why this place is not packed? Are you ready to accept responsibility? The place is not packed Because God's not going to send people that there are not people in place willing to serve them. He's just not going to do it. He don't send sinners to a house of God expecting them to come in and serve. He expects you to be prepared to have a joyful heart and excited because you know who you are and your role in God is to be the hands and feet of God to those people. And when God, when we finally get to a point in this house where we all, no matter how much, listen, listen, it's time for you to let your church hurt of the past and how you got burnt out ministry. You can't, you can't walk on that crutch for the rest of your life. You, 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 you can't come. Am I just preaching this morning? You need to wrap that bandage off. You keep rebandaging a wound that God's already healed. But it's become a, a crutch to you. And, and you got that little pet demon that you that keeps you getting attention, keeps being your excuse, and you come to church, get free from it, and you invite it to come right back. It's time for you to let that go, man. I'm telling you, every one of us has been hurt in church. Every one of us has been crushed by people that we believed in. Every one of us has been burnt out. If you've served God on any level, you've dealt with burnout. It's time for you, if this is the house that God's put you in, it's time for you to get over that. It's time for you to move forward. It's time for you to not wear your feelings on your shoulders. Because every day you wear your feelings on your shoulders, every day you walk in a fence, every day you think, well, you know, I'm just not ready to get back in the game yet. Then what that means is, here's where you've got to begin to see yourself. Every day, every week, every season, because you know this, you know the truth. You thought it was only going to be a few months and now it's a few years. How many people, not trying to beat you up and trying to get you awake. Here it is. How many people has God wanted to send into your life and even into this house that he needed you to be ready to serve that he could not send? Because God's not the author of confusion. God's not going to tell somebody Solid Rock Church is the answer to your family's problems and them get here and nobody's ready to help them find that answer. Because then they leave and they they either think they missed it or they get mad at God for telling them to go somewhere that no one was prepared to help them. Woo! I'm going to tell you, for years, 15% of this church, probably not even that many, but I'm trying to be generous, 15% of this church has handled the leadership, true leadership of this house. Even, I'm I'm talking about 15% of our leaders are truly bought in to what it means to have influence in this house and in our community. We cannot do it anymore. Look around in the society we're living in now and ask yourself this simple question. Do you think if we stay in the mindset that we have been in and we are in now, do you think things are going to get any better? Listen to what Mark said, and I'm almost through. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says this, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served But to serve. If you are a member of this church and you went through at least 101, whether you made it through the growth track or all the way through or not, and I hope you did, but if you sat in 101 in the growth track of this church, you heard your pastor, the one you chose. To be your pastor. You said, God, I'm, I'm submitting myself to the authority of my life in that pastor. This house, I'm joining my family to this house. You heard me say to you in that cafe or wherever you joined, you heard me say, now as a member of this church, we want you to sign up for 201 and beyond because as a member of this church, we have an expectation on your life that you need to be prepared in the next few weeks to start serving in this house. And some of you went all the way through growth track. And never signed up for anything. It's time, y'all. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you something. I feel it burning in my spirit as much as I ever have in my life. There are people right now that have been searching for a church in this moment. We never want about take people away from their own church. I'm not we're never, we're about proselyting somebody else's sheep. But there are some sheep out there who have lost their shepherd. They have not been in a service with their shepherd, some of them, in almost a year. They have not done life with anybody outside of who lives in their house. And they are at a place where they are ready to lock into a family that still believes in the local church and is set up under a ministry that's going to preach the word of God. And they are looking for us. They are looking and they are searching. And God is ready to open their eyes. But who are they going to find when they get here? I'm going to close with this statement. There's only one reason that we even know Jesus existed. Jesus. I'm going to blow your mind. It seems so simple, but we never think about this. Jesus never wrote a book that was published. We have no record of the book of Jesus. He don't have a gospel. He don't have an epistle that was penned by the name of Jesus. He came. He lived perfect life, sinless life, preparing himself for his moment. He knew that he had come to the king, to his own kingdom for such a time as this because when he began preaching, that's all he preached about was the kingdom. Restoring our relationship in the kingdom. And for three and a half years, all he did was prepare and influence. You have no record of him standing up on the mountain after 40 days of showing himself resurrected, saying, hey guys, listen, I need to make sure before I go that y'all wrote all this down. He didn't say nothing about it. He just said, I just want you to know this. I'm not going to leave you alone. I may not be here in the natural, but my spirit will be here with you. There's one thing I need you to do for me I've never really asked much of you but Just your friendship I need you If you want to stand here and watch me disappear That's okay Once you see me go away I need you to get up Get up everybody, gather up your stuff I need you to go down To Jerusalem And I need you to go up into the upper room Where we had That last supper We was up in that upper room And I told you I would not eat or drink of this again Until we drank it and ate of it together in the kingdom I need you to go back And I need you to stay there Because I'm going to send you something That is the big reason Why I did all that I did Thousands heard him say that Thousands of people Saw a man die the most hideous death that any man had ever died. Hundreds on, that, on top of that mountain at minimum. Thousands saw him beaten in the streets and go up the road carrying that cross. And thousands saw his dead body taken off, wrapped in a shroud, and taken to a tomb. They all knew he was dead. Roman soldiers guarded and sealed it with the seal of Pilate. And guarded a dead man day and night. Three days later he came back from the dead. What did he do? Of course, the first thing he did is he took his own blood into Holy of Holies. But the next thing he did, he went right into the room where his disciples was. Everything I told you I was going to do, look, I did it. For 40 days, he walked around showing people scars in his hands, scars in his feet, hole in his side, indentions on his head where a crown of thorns. Had been. He intentionally left the scars, even though he was not... In pain to prove himself who he was. For 40 days, the Bible said he showed himself by many infallible means. Meaning you cannot disprove it. Facts. So they all knew he was alive. And in 7 to 10 days, more than likely 10 days. From the time they saw him disappear in resurrected form into the cloud. Thousands heard him say, go to Jerusalem. It had got down to 120. That's how quickly people fall away from even being in the presence of God when they've truly not bought in of the magnitude of the moment. The Holy Ghost came and what did he say? Peter was anointed by God, stood up after the Holy Ghost had fell on all of them. He said, These men are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which the prophet Joseph spoke. And he began to prophesy about the fulfillment. And in a matter of hours, they could have laid there like we do in church services for hours and just bask in the glory of God. They received the empowerment to establish the church. You know what they they knew they could not stay where they were at. They had been taught and trained by Jesus. They had watched him go from village to village to village, going about doing good and healing all the oppressed of the devil. They knew what they had was not just for them. They remember Jesus saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to open blinded eyes, to set the captive free. In a matter of hours, they were on the street being the body of Christ silver and gold have I none but such as I have I given to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise and walk they were told don't you come back to the temple or you'll be arrested again guess what they did they came back to the temple and they preached they threw them in jail they said we're going to kill you tomorrow we're going to cop your head off tomorrow if you don't stop preaching Jesus they leaned back and said chop my head off I don't care they kept praising Jesus and when they praised Jesus God opened up the gate and the angel said wake up Peter come on and let him out they had people praying for Peter praying for his release. He knocks on the door. They slide the window open to look and they say it's Peter. They're in the house praying for him to be released and they shut the door on him. They think it must be a ghost. Somebody looks like Peter's at the door. They didn't even realize the power that they had. God had just answered the prayers of nobodies in the eyes of the world. That nobodies knew that there was somebody in God. and God honored their prayers and re- We have lost our influence as a church because we have lost of identity in the Holy Ghost you shall receive power Acts 1-8 after the Holy Ghost has come upon you Stand up on your feet right now. Raise your hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am nothing, I am not a man, but under the unction of the Holy Ghost, as I stretch my hands all over these people right now, God, I pray, God, that they would begin to feel the empowerment of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the Holy Ghost, begin to let the Holy Ghost pray through you right now. Be unashamed. Be unashamed. Don't worry about anything. Just release. Submit. I'm refilling. I hear the Lord say he's refilling. You are receiving power. You are receiving power. You are receiving authority. Your identity is being restored. Your your ministry is being renewed. You are beginning to see right now. God is going to let you see yourself. Even if it's for a brief moment. Right now. For who you are. God said it's time for you to let the past go. It's time for you to quit judging yourself. Deal with it now. Put it on the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. Oh, I know what that song says. Oh, dry bones, but we see an army. Let the army arise, Lord. Let the army arise, Lord. Let the army arise, Lord. Let the army arise. Let the army arise. See yourself as a soldier. See yourself as a soldier hallelujah 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 i'm telling you some of you need to just walk out in the aisle Some of you just need to begin to speak over yourself some of you just need to get out of that pew and begin to say i know who i am in god i will not sit in the back anymore i will not wait anymore come on get out of your comfort zone do something that makes you feel uncomfortable come on shake yourself Dry bones are living right now. Dry bones are coming back. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Some of y'all just need an old fashioned Jericho march. Some of you just need to march around and just declare that if the thief be found, he must restore seven times every year you stole from me i'm getting seven years of anointing of my life back every night i couldn't sleep because i'm tormented i declare i got a week of rest i got a week of strength oh god's not through with me 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 god's not through, with me. God's not through if you believe that move come on church listen People gotta come in this house and they gotta see a freedom. They gotta see a freedom in you. Cause they're not gonna want what's in you if they can't see it in you. Get out of that comfort zone. Go back to your first love. Go back to your first love. Oh I know what you've done. I know your faithfulness. I know your dedication. But you've lost your first love. You've lost your
2: first love. You've lost your first love. Cry out to God that you can Back where you used to be. Oh, God said, It's time to get back to that fire. It's time to get back. It's
1: time to get back to that anointing. Oh, shut up. Holy Ghost, fall in this place. Holy Spirit, this is your house, God. This is your house. This is your house. Ooh, I don't care what anybody thinks about me.
2: I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Each head of us at Woo!
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, God ain't forgot you. God ain't forgot you. God ain't forgot you. You are his favorite. You are his favorite. Oh, what you did did not disqualify you. What you said did not disqualify you. What was did to you, said about you, talked about you behind your back did not disqualify you. If there's breath in your body, it's time to live. I don't care how dry you feel, it's time to wake up. It's time to get up. The bones are shaking. I feel some bones rattling in this place. I feel some dead, dry bones are shaking. I feel some tombs are opening. I see some some stones are rolling. I see some grave clothes are
2: being loosened. My God, some of y'all are alive, but you still smell like death. You're like Lazarus. Jesus told him, loose that man and let him go. I tell you right now, I'm in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, loose him, loose him, loose him, Lord. Loose Him from the past. Loose Him from the present. Loose Him from fear. Loose Him from intimidation. Loose Him from offense. Woo! Loose Him, Lord. Loose Him. Freedom's in this house. Freedom's in this house. Freedom's in this house. Yeah
1: Stop praising when the music starts praising. That don't sound like a praising church. A praising church don't need to be led because you're a praiser. you just need to scream it out. Some of you just need to get rid of 30, 40, 50 years. Some of you just need to let that stuff go. Just open up your mouth and get it out. Just get it out. Deal with it. You stinking devil, you foul, tormenting spirit of hell. You must leave my house. You must leave my children. You must leave my grandchildren. You must leave my marriage. You get out. Take authority. Man, there ain't nothing like finally seeing who you are in God. There's nothing freer than knowing that when your kid, your grandkids, your spouse, a family friend, a co-worker is sick, down, you love your pastors, you love the elders, you love the leaders. There's nothing more empowering to finally know who you are in God That your first reaction is not try to text your pastor. Your first reaction is, well, let me pray for you, brother. Let me pray for you, sister. Because you know the same God that is on your pastor and in your pastor is on you and in you. And I'm telling you right, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. When you as a husband or you as a wife or even you as a child, your parents are not even serving God. When you begin to see yourself as a child, how you can speak with authority to tell the devil to release your parents. To release, I'm telling you. You have influence. Woo, you influenced me, sister. My God. Hitting me with the Holy Ghost. Hey, don't you ever, ever let anybody take your praise? Because I'm telling the world needs more praise like that. That's a militant warfare praise. That was a praise up and up and down the devil's head. I, I don't need to know. What you're going through, what you pushing through, what you praising through. Because God knows. You know, and God knows. And I got news for you right now, I don't want to mess you up. And the devil knows. Because the devil, but the devil also knows you just stepped on his head, and the devil is a liar, and God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer, and he has seen your praise.
2: Mm, mm, mm,
1: mm. woo! Bring those kids down here Bring them right over here Y'all take a couple steps back Bring all them kids down here I love the fact that we got teachers That when God is doing something like this They want to expose the next generation to this They've been back there watching you. Praise God. Come on. Get up your kids. Stand right here. Get in this hole right here. Look at your pastor. In the name of Jesus, raise your hands. Raise your hands. I want some leaders to get around. Holy Ghost about to touch our kids. Come on. Give it, give it, give it. Come on, we're going to dance. These kids going to show them how to dance. Come on. You see dry bones. Get it. Kick, it. kick it, kick it, kick it, kick it. Come on. Come on. I want everybody. I want everybody to begin to pray for your kids right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just pray right now for an anointing. Come on, 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 y'all help me, y'all help me. Come on, there you go, there's
2: man. Come on, come
1: on, right, come on, come on. Here we go,
2: here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. See dry we see it on me. See we see it on me. See
1: kids don't just put your hands I want you to pray for Alex right now
3: lately there's an attack on these children they're not even in the youth right now but there's an attack right now and i don't know that we're busy the coronavirus all this stuff's Mm -hmm. happened. we're so busy we're on our phones we're not paying attention to what's really going on with our children you might know some of it but i think there's some things that you don't know you need to pray for your children right now and i don't know if you're back there but you need to come up here to your children right now find your child and put your hands on them right now because they need it they need it. So come up here and find your child and put your hands on yeah, it. Say it I'm feeling it in the come neighborhood. Just, you come need on, to do Lisa. it right now because it is so important. It is so important that you're dealing with junk, depression, anxiety, fourth, fifth, sixth graders. If we don't do something about it now, what is going to happen in the future? What is going to happen? You better rebuke it in the next. some faith we rebuke it in the name of Jesus it is gone on these children it is gone off of my husband he's having to deal with anxiety it's gone in the name of Jesus be there for your children
4: she's an elementary school teacher what she's saying you know is the truth she's dealing with it in school she's dealing with it upstairs with our kids they're trying to confuse your child's very identity they're trying to tell them there's something they're not try this try that you know you don't know who you are you're this you're not that you're born this way you're supposed to do this They're trying to confuse your children, take their mind off God, confuse them of who they are, what they're supposed to be and do. And like she says, we've got to pray these influences as Pastor was speaking today, influences, influences, trying to take the promise and the purpose of our children. Blessing over our children, devil. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off of our children, get your hands off of their minds, get your hands off of their purpose and their future in the name of Jesus. We pull out and we speak that greatness that is within them, God. Let them know who they are, their authority, who you called them to be, Father. Oh, make straight the path that is before them, Father. Thank you Jesus give them wisdom and boldness to speak Father there are others just like them who are scared they're
5: confused and they need to know the truth Lord young people young people this is your day my students students I don't know I'm sorry if someone puts you on the back burner It made you feel insignificant because you were young. And I'm sorry if you grew up to be an adult and feel insignificant because nobody poured into you and you were young. Jesus said, young people, the children, are the greatest in the kingdom. They're the greatest in the kingdom. And when the children came to Jesus, the disciples tried to shoot them away. He goes, no, these are the greatest in the kingdom. You got to become like one of them if you want to follow me I'm sorry if someone tried to shoo you away and if someone made you feel like the anointing of God is something that you have to unlock when you're 25 or 30 years old you can have it right now you can have it right now it's not just the little kids it's not just the adults if you're in high school a young adult and you've been put to the side or you feel that way this is your day we honor you. We honor you. And we honor the calling on your life. We honor the calling on your life, Savannah. I honor it. I honor the call on your life, Jarrell, Cassie, and Megan. I honor it. Today's the day. If you are bound by something, whether it's addiction or fear or doubt or self-hatred, and you feel like freedom is only for the older people, that is not the case. And right now, I'm inviting you to receive of the freedom of God. The freedom of God. Amen. If you want to come to these altars, I will pray for you. I will pray for you. Our leaders will pray for you. All right? Today's the day. We stop putting our youth on the back burner. And to the older people... It's not my place. I'm not your pastor. But they're worth more than just when you need some yard work done. Or when some physical work needs to be done. If that's the only time you're thinking about your youth students in this house, you need to check yourself. And realize they're the greatest in the kingdom. And they are the next generation. That's our legacy. What he's been preaching about legacy is non-existent without young people to pour into we're going to pour into them so if you just if you just want to feel love the love of god come to these altars if you're a young person in this house if you need freedom from addiction if you need come on students
1: ain't nobody gonna do anything to you but pray for you students come on if you're if you're in high school junior high high school students come and just stand up here and let your pastors pray for you Come on. Thank you. Thank you for these that are obeying God. Let, help them up here, y'all. Help them up. Help them make sure they get to the front. Make sure they get to the front. Come on. Let's give God some praise for our students right now. I mean, my God, they need Jesus more than you can ever imagine. God, is, this, this is a true shift. Austin. Austin, before you, I want to let you pray for them. will you get your mic? You got your mic? Uh, where's your mic? Get it? I want you to pray for them. But listen to me, son. I gotta say something to you. Adults, listen to me. I need every adult that's older than him. Listen to me. I've been where you're at. How old are you? 24. I was 23 years old when I became a senior pastor. Two-thirds of my church was almost old enough to be my parent or even old enough to be my parent. One of the most intimidating things in the world for me was to think of myself as a pastor and a spiritual authority to people that I respect highly as elders in my life. So I know why you said what you said, and I respect it, and that just shows how much you respect and honor the older folks in this church. You are not their pastor, but you are one of their pastors. Did you hear me? That means you are a shepherd you are a Moses anointing. Moses led and pastored, but he also was a musician. So you have a pastor anointing on you. And you have an anointing psalmist anointing on you. So I want today and this day, because this is a monumental day. I want this church and everybody, especially the older folks that are older than Austin. When I get through saying, when I'm saying, I need you to let him know that you have given him and the other leadership of this house that has been put in places of leadership authority to respect you, honor you, but also speak into your life. If you give him that authority, make some noise. So now with that authority, take that microphone as a pastor of this house and pray for these young people and pray for the parents of this house. Let the anointing flow through you, son. Pray with that pastor anointing over you right now.
5: In Jesus' name in Jesus' name I speak the acknowledgement of identity the acknowledgement of identity in each and every one of these students Lord that they would not see themselves as insignificant God that they would never walk into a church service ever again and say I don't matter that they would never walk in and say I'm not significant I'm here to fill up you you matter God you matter to God you matter enough that he died for you You matter enough that he would go out of his way and say these are the greatest in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, I speak identity into these students, Lord, and I, as their youth pastor, Lord, break off self-hatred. Break off self-doubt. Break off addiction. And I speak authority into you that you would see it That you would see it at 13, 14, 15 years old. You would see yourself as a man and a woman of God. You are not a kid. You are a man and a woman of God. In Jesus' name, let them see it, God. Let them feel your fire, God. Let them feel the significance on their life. Let them feel the calling, God. Let them hear their father calling their name. The things that they see on Sunday mornings, God, from the adults that they can only dream of, of walking in those shoes, Lord, let them step in it right now. Them thinking that they can only preach when they're 30 years old and when they have the title of pastor, Lord, let it go out the window, Lord. They are preachers. They are ministers. They are worship leaders. They are pastors. They are evangelists. You are everything God has called you to be right now. Right now. His calling does not unlock when you graduate high school. It is right now. The time is right now. This morning, in the name of Jesus, receive everything God has for you. At 14 years old, at 12 years old, at 10 years old, hear the voice of your Father calling you. And see it for yourself, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: If you have never been to youth, Austin and I will love you and we will be with you through every single thing. One of the main things Austin and I talk about all the time is that we're so blessed to, a lot of people will look at us and they'll be like, oh, you guys are so young. We feel so old when we're with you guys. But the cool thing is we're not so different in age that we forgot how hard high school can be. We didn't forget how hard middle school can be, okay? It's hard, and it's not easy living in the world that you guys are living in. There's so much pressure. You get on social media. You see these bodies. You see these people. You see these parties. You see all of your friends living lives that do not serve the Lord. And then you go out, and you're expected to be the youth group kid. And you come in here and there's pressure to be everything that everyone wants you to be. You're supposed to be perfect. You're supposed to be in the altars praising. The adults don't come to the altars praising, but you're supposed to, right? It's okay to not be perfect. High school is hard. Middle school is hard. There is grace to walk through the steps that you are walking through. And Austin and I want to encourage you, whether you have never shown up or you show up every week, we will love you the same. You guys are our students. You guys are our kids. You are our heart. We love you. We love each and every one of you. You have such special callings on your life. None of you are the same. None of you are the same. Chris, you are going to help the music industry. You are going to move the music industry. But you have to allow God to speak to you. And I know that you can hear it. I know you can hear it. Don't be what you think you're supposed to be be what god wants you to be you will succeed if you allow god to speak to you and elijah you are going to help the art industry you are going to speak into people who see certain things a certain way and they can't comprehend it but you see it and you draw it and you do things that people can see you can speak to people that i can't speak to you can speak to people that austin can't speak to patrick you're going to help people in um in the athletic industry, yeah, you're going you're gonna to kick the devil's butt because he's hardcore. If you guys didn't know, he's like a black belt or like a double black belt. But you're going to help people that are in athletics. You're going to help people in music. You're going to help me. I don't know what you're going to do, Gerald. To be honest, you're probably going to do everything. Each and every one of you have a special calling on your lives, but you can't focus on what they're doing and how they're doing it. Do what you are called to do individually. Come together in unity, but don't be jealous of each other because she has your calling and you want it, or he has your calling and you want it. Okay, you can't succeed being somebody you're not supposed to be. That's not how God designed you to be. Be who you are. We love you the way you are. I love all your little quirky things, the awkward conversations that we have. There are so many conversations that we walk away and we're like, what in the world did we just hear come out of their mouth? But each and every one of you have something special. You are designed to be special. And you guys, we cannot wait to get this group of kids. We cannot wait. But you guys are going to be leading them one day, and you can't lead them if you don't know so be who you are. Be who you are.
1: Powerful word. I want to say one thing before we wind down. It's so easy, adults, in life, to life is such a fast pace that we love our kids. We love our grandkids. and We know that high school was tough. But if you're not careful, I'm, I'm even talking to the 30-somethings, not to the old folks like me late 20s now even, 30s. You will filter the words of your children through your experience. And it ain't nothing like you went, went, went you went through. It ain't nothing like what I went through. We all went through tough things, but it's on, it's on another level tough. I was sitting there thinking when, when Austin and Monica were speaking, and I'm looking at we've got, I mean, we've got kids all ages, all the way up to high school. And I was thinking, because I've had discussions with my daughter and my son. And my, I don't even want to call you my son-in-law. You're my son. And, I, and I, I think Greg's okay with that. We know he's not my actual son, but he's my son. Uh, but I know some of the things that the kids in their class are asking about. And I'm like, what? What? I mean, these are is this am I right uh, fourth fifth and sixth graders fourth fifth and sixth grade the questions that they're asking prayer for now listen to me were well, the questions that I asked for prayer for when I was your age the things we dealt with at your age they are dealing with now so if they are dealing with with what the early 20s mid 20s were dealing with and they are imagine everything you dealt with they're dealing with it then what are our students dealing with? our students are still in school and they are dealing with life choices that some of you didn't even have to face until you were out of your house and on your own and doing life in the real world they're still going to school and have to face those kind of things everything in our lives has escalated to the next the second and the third level so when you're praying for these kids and these students you need to tell yourself i don't know everything they're going through but just to help you know how to pray think of the things that you had to face in your life as an adult in the in the horror stories that you heard that other people had to deal with these kids are having to deal with these while still trying to get an education and not even getting to go to school and be a regular student in the middle of a pandemic, having to not have friends to be with, to talk with, learning in front of a screen. Depression is setting in on many of these kids of all ages. Loneliness. We need to plead the blood of Jesus over our kids. And I'm going to tell you something to all the teachers of all the grades. Ever so often... And I'm not telling you how often to do it, but bring your kids down and expose them to this. This is good. I I experienced this my whole childhood. My encounters with God was based and rooted at your age, actually at y'all's age. That's, That's where I first began to see the realness of God, the power of God. And, you know, at my age now, I still remember those times. They're some of the greatest times of my life. So I'm encouraging you. Do your classes. Teach them. But every once in a while, even if you just have to keep them, bring them in here for a few minutes under the, under the balcony, expose your kids. But here's what I also want to pray for you as as we, as we send you back to your seats and we're going to dismiss you in prayer is this. Adults and everybody else here, I want you all to agree with me. I'm going to pray for every student here. and this what I, But I'm, more than that, I'm going to pray for every teacher and every leader and helper. That helps because here's what i'm praying for you an anointing of god is going to come on you teachers i'm talking about the power of god i know you have to teach structured things with whatever age you're in you do what you feel led to do we trust you but include the power of god in your classes. Include the glory of God. Teach them and and be open to letting the Holy Spirit interrupt your plans and let the glory fall. Prophesy over these kids' lives if God puts that on you. Speak into their lives because for some of them, you're the only positive voice that is speaking into their lives. Don't be afraid. I know you're going to be sweet and kind to them and love them and not judge them, but if you see something, speak into their lives and help them. Okay? Church, would you all stretch your hands towards these kids right now, especially for these teachers. Begin to pray for these teachers right now. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, we just thank you for our nursery. We thank you, Lord, for our K4 and K5. God, we thank you, Lord, for our grades 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and college and beyond. Our kids, our students of all ages, of all backgrounds. Many of them have had great family experiences. Many of them have had horrible family experiences. But they are with us, God. You sent them to us because you trusted us with their lives, God. We don't take that gift lightly. We don't take take it lightly, God, that you have entrusted this house to love, empower, mentor, equip, and raise these kids up. So, Father, we pray for them. We plead the blood of Jesus over them for protection against all harm, But we also pray, God, that their minds would not be clouded with the ways of the world, but they would focus their destiny, their purpose, their existence for life rooted in you, God. We want them to learn. We want them to grow strong and be exposed to new things, outside things. But, God, keep them balanced and keep them strong in their faith for God. We need this generation to be strong, to be influencers of their other friends and even their teachers and their family. Now, God, I pray for the teachers, whether they're the lead teacher, assistant, just somebody that helps on the computer, doesn't matter. If they do anything to help these kids of any age, God, I pray for them. God, I pray for their minds because we understand how the devil works. He's going to attack those leaders and those teachers first because if they can get them distracted, the kids will not get what they need. So I pray for our, our, our children's pastors, our youth pastors, our teachers of all these classes. I just cover them in the, in the name of Jesus. God, we cover them with the prayers of this house. As Austin said, these are not relegated to babysitting. Uh, organizations here. We are equipping these kids. We are truly teaching and training these kids. So I I pray for our leaders, that their minds would be clear, that their minds would be strong, that their minds would be solid, that they would not be uh, tormented and tempted to go down ways that would walk them away from their calling to these kids in this season of their life. Let them know we're behind them. Let them know we support them. We are praying for them. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout. You can worship back to your seat. I told y'all, y'all better get ready for church services to go into extra innings. Get those announcements ready. Six weeks. Six weeks from today. I'm going to tell you the law of numbers. For the next six weeks, if you will purpose in your heart to invite, and look how easy this is. Just say this. Let's start simple. Every seven days, every week, for the next six weeks, I am going to invite one person, one person in seven days, You want to go more than that? Praise God. At least one person, I'm going to invite them to join me for in-person services on Easter Sunday morning. It might take you six weeks to even get them to convince to come to your church, but here's the reality. People will go to church on Easter when they won't go to church on any other Sunday. And I'm going to tell you, even in the middle of a pandemic, it was a big deal last year when people didn't go to church on Easter. It bothered a lot of people. And they still might want to sit in the back, and they still might want to wear a mask, and that's okay. I'm going to tell you right now, there are people hungry for some sense of normalcy in their life. And people that have not been back to church at all, you're going to be surprised how many make Easter Sunday their back to church Sunday. I'm telling you, if you'll do it over the next six weeks, this anointing that fell in this place today, it is going to continue to build and stronger and stronger and stronger because God is doing something significant in this house. I believe we're going to have one of the most powerful, impactful, soul-winning, literal salvations and rededications of God to God in these altars on Easter Sunday morning than we have ever known. This is going to be the Easter that people are going to cry out. Think about this. This is the day that we celebrate the most incredible thing in the history of humanity, the power of the resurrection. And here we are in the middle of dealing with sickness and plagues and all this kind of stuff. But remember what God's Word said. The same power that raised Christ from the dead shall also raise our mortal bodies. That power. Paul said, I want to know the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings. I'm telling you, the power of the resurrection is in this house.